0: Um, so I have a few announcements. The first one is we had our um, family gathering last week, and it, and it was just absolutely wonderful. I want to thank everybody who participated. We had water games, slip and slides, and stuff. it was just a great time to spend with the family. And it, the best part about the whole thing is that Raymond got baptized, and it was just a beautiful day to start off with that. You know, because that's what we're about. We're about here. We're a family, family of believers And so it was just a great day. So I want to thank everybody who showed up for that. Um, Also, let me see what other... um, Oh, yeah, I was going to do youth announcements, but Chris is doing that. So that's why I'm not going to do youth. So Chris, start walking up. Um, And also giving. Um, If you're here for the first time or you want to know how we give, first of all, Scripture tells us to give cheerfully. So when you do, just pray about it, see what God puts on your heart, and then give it cheerfully. And the ways to do that, you can do it online, online, there's boxes. Or you can ask Jordan. He's our um, guru in the computers. There's different ways to set up for automatic giving and stuff. So, Chris? Oh, the kids. Okay. I forgot. Sorry, Kingdom Kids. I got thrown off because usually we have, like, a whole boatload of kids. in for school, and as parents, you could probably testify, they go to school and they get all these colds. So we only have a handful of kids. So if you are Kingdom Kid age, this is your time. So kids, what time is it? Kingdom Kids! (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Here you go, Chris.
1: Good morning, everybody. Uh, You know, sometimes it's funny because sometimes you pray to God and ask him to uh, bring you outside of your comfort zone. And then immediately after, Jordan texts you and asks you, Hey, do you want to do a youth announcement this Sunday for the first time? So here I am. <laughs> uh, if you don't know me, my name is Chris. Uh, I'm one of the volunteers here. I help out in the bridge. Uh, so, And I am also on the uh, youth team. And uh, just last week, we had our first uh, uh, youth, uh, uh, youth group of the year and it went awesome. We played some awesome games, and we had one of those jars that we f- uh, filled full of candy, and they had to guess how many pieces of candy were in that jar, and the winner was Josie. So good job, Josie. She was like seven off, maybe. Seven off. They're, they're quite a lot, and she got close. She got close. Anyways, uh, God willing, I think we're going to have a great year this year, and uh, pray for the Pray for us, the youth leaders, because there's a shortage of us, which um, this wasn't part of the announcement, but if you want to help volunteer, talk to Jordan, because we could use some volunteers. So thank you, everybody. Good morning.
2: Good morning. Good morning. I'm Aubrey, and um, I just want to start with a verse, if I can read it, without dropping anything. I'm going to stand here. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And that's from Psalm 139, verse 13. Um, I'm up here to announce this morning the Walk of Compassion that's happening at Life Choices Pregnancy Clinic uh, next Saturday, September 30th. Is that next Saturday? It's the following Saturday. Okay. (laughs) Two weeks from from yesterday. Um, Registration is at 8.30. The walk is at 9 a.m. And then they have a really fun raffle afterward and awards. Um, But really the point is that we're there to support the value of every life that God has knit together, um, just as he has knit our lives together. And um, some of the things that they do that I just want you to be aware of um, this is their newsletter. If you don't get it, you can sign up for it. I'm going to put this out on the welcome cart so everyone has an opportunity to see it. Um, one of the things they were talking about, they've had several calls during the week asking um, if what they've heard about Life Choices is true. Do they give 3D and 4D ultrasounds for free? Will they uh, help their family with diapers for free? Um, They have a whole room full of clothing for babies and up to 2T, 3T, and it's free for everyone. So they don't turn anyone away. They have actually a mobile ultrasound that they will take to a park. If somebody just needs to have an ultrasound and can't make it all the way to Ojai, they have gone to parks in Oxnard. Um, They want to make themselves available to let women know that Every life has a value. So um, that is just some of what they do. They're really making an impact for families here and even in other cities around us in the county. So um, if you can and you would like and God puts it on your heart, please come out and support the walk. Uh, Again, the registration is 8.30. The walk is at 9, and that's September 30th. And my next announcement is... Uh, about Mexico. Um, You guys showed up in numbers for the Root Beer Float fundraiser that we had, which we really appreciated. Uh, We raised $826 from the Root Beer Float table alone. That's a lot of Root Beer Floats Um, and a lot of generosity. So thank you so much. And in total, we've raised about $14,000 so far of the $29,000 Um, that we're looking to raise for the two houses that are being built. We still have room on the trip. The trip, um, we're leaving October 29th. It's for a week to build two houses for two families in Mexico. These are real families with real children um, who have real need. And we still have openings if anyone would like to come and help and sign up and join us Um, it's an amazing trip and really transformative just for your own heart and life. And the last thing is we are still going to have a taco bar fundraiser uh, October 8th. So please sign up for that if you want to attend. That um, You can sign up out on the cart, and that will be Sunday, October 8th. Thank you.
3: We are going to uh, continue through the Gospel of Mark. It's a church family. We've been in there for a few months now, and um, it's really interesting. As I as I study each week, you know, there's there's a dual aspect of it. Uh, one is um, you know for, for the church family, but then also it's it's for me. And like, well, Lord, how are you going to grow me through this? And what are you speaking to me about? And and you know, as we've journeyed through Mark chapter two. If you remember, uh, you know, it's really a, kind of a twofold context foundation of Mark chapter 2 where Jesus has these interactions with the Pharisees and uh, he's, uh, on the one hand, trying to really make it clear about who he is. He's God, he has the ability to forgive sins, he's the Lord of the Sabbath, right? He can heal. Uh, but also, uh, Jesus has been confronting the Pharisees and the religious leaders about... Their traditions and their rituals and their religiosity to the point where, you know, they have become so focused on doing religion so right that it's really impacted their heart. It's impacted their compassion. It's impacted their view of human need all around them. And we're going to continue in Mark three. Uh, and and it's really interesting as I was, again, the personal side of this, as I was preparing and kind of reflecting on this for my own life, uh, this image of Jesus kept, kept popping into my head. And y- it'll make sense as we get into Mark chapter 3. Uh, and it's an, it's an image that, you know, I, you know many of you, you know I grew up in the church, in the Roman Catholic tradition, and then even as a young believer, you know, you can't help but come across pictures of Jesus in books and online, right? And no one really knows what he looks like. But this is, a, this is an image that, that maybe you're familiar with, but for me, just this particular one just came, right? How many of you have seen this before, right? Okay. So I look at that, and you'll, this will, again, make sense in where we're going with this that guy looks pretty blah. <laughs> I mean, I get it, but I look at that, and I'm like, is that, is that what he was about? Just kind of like, you know, because we're wired for, for image, and then you kind of fill in the blanks around it, and that guy doesn't look like he has a lot of emotion. Right? Right? it's kind of like it looks very kind of somber and, and serious, and a lot of Jesus' images are very somber and serious. And, and here we are in the new covenant, and Jesus said that he came to give us life and life abundantly, right? And then you look at that, and you're like, I'm not, I'm not seeing it, really, right? And it's a powerful thing because images like this and, and things that we pick up about Jesus can really have a radical impact On our own emotion When it comes to being a follower of Christ Right And I'm not talking about being out of order And and being hype and emotional And mysticism and getting all crazy Just for the sake of that But what I'm saying is sometimes images like that Right, as good as it is and I get it Can sometimes send the other message That following Jesus is this (laughs) Is this And we're not allowed to have emotion And we're very stoic and we're very somber because we're serious, right? We're serious and so serious we don't have fun and we can't enjoy ourselves, right? And, and, and I just kind of, this image that's coming up because in Mark chapter 3, 1 through 6, we're going to see an emotional Jesus. We're going to see Jesus with some passion. And, and I'm hoping that some of you who maybe have put Jesus And your faith and what it means to be a follower of Jesus into the somber box, into this serious non-emotional box, that maybe you'll have some freedom today. Amen? Maybe you'll recognize that God has given you passion. God has given you emotions. Right? And there's diversity and it's good and and it's healthy. And, And I just wanted to kind of set that stage. Because in contrast to to what we saw in Mark chapter 2, the Pharisees had kind of washed out all the joy. And it had become so rigid and ritualistic that it was just about doing it right. That's all that mattered was doing it right. And this human component of, of compassion and love and even joy just seemed to be sucked out of the building as long as we did it right and I guess hoping that the, the Spirit speaks to, to us this morning that Jesus had passion. Jesus had emotion. And, and there's an element where we, we have to allow that. We have to allow that. Now, I don't know if it's something that you picked up in your house or in tradition, you know, church tradition, where it's very kind of like this, okay? And I understand issues of respect. I understand issues of, of you know... Um, Order and all of that. But I also know that sometimes the pendulum can swing so far that now we're fearful. We're fearful of expressing even love for God. Right? How many of you loved worship this morning? Right around here, we try to let worship really be expression. Expression, you know? And, and so some of you like to put your hands up. Right? And, and and for some of you it's a process. You're getting there. You know? Is that okay here? Is that okay here? Right? Is it okay? Is it okay? Right? And so sometimes, again, I understand this respect. I, I appreciate the respect. But I want to encourage us as we look at the word today, that if you've sort of detached from the emotion of following Jesus, that Jesus example in his interaction here with the Pharisees will somehow for you, somehow for you, to be who God created you to be, amen? amen, right, fearfully and wonderfully made, okay, and so we were, we were looking at uh, Mark, the end of Mark chapter 2, where Jesus is, is encountering the Pharisees about the Sabbath, right, and they had become very rigid and ritualistic and rules-driven, And and Jesus, as Lord of the Sabbath, says, hey, you know what? You guys are so focused on the letter of the law, I'm about the heart of the law. And I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, so I'm calling it good, right? His disciples were eating the grain and all that. And I shared with you last week, and I'll start with this: an example of how far the Pharisees and religious leaders had gone in making the Sabbath all about a burden. Remember, God had created the Sabbath to be a blessing. Right? Everyone say blessing. But the Pharisees had turned this blessing into a burden and bondage. Okay, Completely opposite of God's intent. In fact, we saw, I read this from Brian Bill. He says, Did you know that at the time of Jesus, Jewish leaders had established 39 Sabbath clarifications, with each having multiple subdivisions, making over 1,500 prohibitions? Here are some of them. It was unlawful to kill a flea that lands on your arm because that would make you guilty of hunting on the Sabbath. If a man's ox fell into the ditch, he could pull it out, but if a man fell in, he had to stay there. It was okay to spit on a rock on the Sabbath, but you couldn't spit on the ground because that made mud, and mud was mortar, and that was work. Okay, you get the point, right? As soon as you lose the heart, and if you don't even understand the heart, and you go down to the ticky-tack... Picky, picky, picky. It never ends. And suddenly, the church joy, the freedom of the spirit, it all gets sucked right out these doors. And we show up on Sundays and we sit in nice, clean rows because we're just doing church right. Right? In fact, I reminded our leadership team again, we meet at 8 o'clock and we prep, we we'll go over the road map and the bridge is there and all the components of a Sunday. And I shared with them, yes, we want to do church excellence here. We want to create an environment where distractions are at a minimal, where the temperature and everything is designed for us to come through the doors and be together with as minimal distractions possible so God can move. Okay, that's our heart behind why we put the effort into what we do here. But even for us, the 8 o'clock team, if we're not careful, we can flip that. And we can get so caught up in the rightness of doing things around here that you guys show up... And we're just a bunch of, you know, angry, uptight people. Because everything's got to be just right. And you come in, you're having a great day, you're smiling. Hey, how you doing? Hi. <laughs> you know, sorry, got to go, got to go. You know, and and I've had to learn that even, you know, in, in my years of, of senior pastoring on the Sunday mornings. I can get very tunnel-driven and very program-driven. And so even on Sundays, you know, the Lord had to work on me. Like I, I, I used to go from here, you know, I don't know how many steps I put in on a Sunday before 10 o'clock between here and my office. And there were times, there was a season when I would just kind of be thinking about the service, be thinking about. And I would walk through the commons in my own, in my own world because I was thinking about doing church right, right? What, need, what else needed to be done? And I was oblivious to all of you who would come early. And the Lord really convicted me on that. It's like, slow down. When you walk through there, keep your eyes up and smile. And if someone says hello, detour to the right and sit with them and welcome them. Right? So even for me, I've had to work through this whole tunnel vision, get it just right, right? To the exclusion of missing people, missing people, because there's a ton of ministry that happens on this facility before 10 a.m. You know what? You know what blesses me in my office as I'm as, as I'm getting ready is all of you sharing your lives together, laughing, joking, sometimes praying for one another, all before 10 o'clock. For some of you, the impact of your Sunday happens before church even starts. It could be the Sunday morning men's group. It could be just catching up, sharing life, sneaking a donut, I don't know, whatever you guys do. Some of you, I know, there are less donuts after service. I'm going to check the cameras in there because some of you are like pre-service, pre-service donut. And the men get served donuts out there sometimes. I'm like, right? What is that? So. So the point was, again, if we're not careful, even in ministry, even with the best of intentions, we can get so focused on doing it right that we miss the heart of it. We miss the heart of it. So don't don't miss the heart of it. In Mark chapter 3, Jesus again has another encounter about the Sabbath with the Pharisees. And we'll we'll read the whole passage. It says, Mark 3, verses 1 through 6. He says, again, he entered the synagogue and a man was there with a withered hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. Okay, so again, great setup, and they're in the synagogue on the Sabbath. In Luke 6, 8, Luke tells us about this particular incident, that Jesus knew their thoughts. Okay, so they show up, and again, they're there just to find something to accuse Jesus about. Again, right? That's where their heart is. That's where their motive is. They're just looking for something to validate what they're already thinking about this guy. And I just want to give you a word of encouragement in your own life, even when it comes to church, okay? There is no perfect church, right? And you've heard me say this over the years. If you find the perfect church, don't join it. Why? Because you'll mess it up, okay? So, you know, just honest, Because here's the thing, if you go to church, or a Bible study, or a small group, and you're looking for something not to like, you will find it, amen? You will find something to get bent about, something that steps on your toes, something that you about, right? That's what they're doing, and that's what we can be guilty of if we're not careful, You can go into certain situations, even a Sunday, and you're not here to really worship in freedom and to hear from the Holy Spirit. You're here as the critic, the auditor, looking for something to validate your suspicions about me already.
0: I knew it.
3: I knew it. You know? That's a heart issue, isn't it? That's a gut check. That's a motive check, right? And so Jesus is around the Pharisees in the synagogue on a Sabbath. He knows what they're about. He knows their thoughts, right? And yet he intentionally said, okay, I know what you're all about here. Let's just deal with this again, right? Mark 3, he says, and he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill, but they were silent. Okay, so he creates this dilemma. He, he asks them this question, these two questions, and they're like, hmm, it's a rote row moment, right? Because they were all about rules and regulations and so objective and so unemotional and detached from human condition that as long as the rules were met, they didn't really care about people. You didn't have to. It was just about rules, right? So, what he does is he frames this question about good and evil, harming, killing, right? Suddenly, he brings in this human moral component and he boxes them right in, right? Because if they say it's lawful to do good and to save life on the Sabbath, well, then I have nothing to accuse him about, right? If they say, no, it's lawful to do harm and to kill, well, they just busted themselves. Right? So they're stuck. And I love this. You know, Jesus was an incredible dialogue person, and he asked powerful questions. If you're talking to someone about your faith and about Jesus, the best thing you can do sometimes is just ask the right questions because the questions will reveal their heart to them. That's what's going on here, right? And, and they're busted, right? How many of you, I asked, this, I asked the group this morning over there, how many of you growing up, or maybe you're still a teenager, or young? how many of you have ever done something wrong? And your parent, you're sitting with your parents, and they ask you a question, and immediate, you, immediately you know there is no right answer to this. Anyone? If you're honest, you're like, okay, if I say this, I'm in trouble. If I say this, I'm in worse trouble, right? So some of us growing up, I was guilty of this, you just stare at your parents. <laughs> and you just wait. You try to like see who talks first, right? Because if I wait long enough and they start talking again, then maybe I can finagle my way out of this based on what I'm discerning, what they really know and don't know, right? So you just go silent, right? Well, when you know, silence is the best defense sometimes. Well, the Pharisees... They go silent because Jesus has couched this in such a way that he's really saying, hey, you know what? There's never a wrong day to do good. That's the heart. See, he asks these questions, but he's also kind of making a point that it's, there's never a wrong day or time to do good. And so the Pharisees are like, man, now we're stuck. We are stuck. And they just go silent, right? Brian Bell says this. Their rigidity to keep the law actually led them to abuse it far worse than they even think Jesus did. Jesus was able to look behind the law to see how they were intended for our benefit. There, the Pharisees' religion was loving ritual. Jesus' religion was loving God and loving man. Jesus was people-centered. The Pharisees were law-centered. Again, it's a gut check for us even as followers of Christ under the new covenant in 2023. Over time, if we're not careful, I've shared this with you the last two Sundays, our quiet time, our church attendance, our Bible study, our prayer time, all the good disciplines, if we're not careful, can become things that we love more than God. And it can become ritual versus relationship. Like, for instance... I know that many of you come here and many of you tune in on Sunday mornings because it's a good habit. Amen? There's nothing wrong with that. You should carve it out. This this should be priority. But I'm also hoping that you're motivated to come on Sunday and tune in on Sunday because it helps your relationship with God and others. Amen? That should be the primary driver when you get up and you want to go to church or Sunday morning men's group or Bible study women's groups, there's a ton of them, get involved, youth group, it should be, I want to go because this is going to help my relationship with God. That should be the driver. But over time, if we're not careful, our hearts shift into ritual. And then... If we're not careful, we miss a few Sundays, and then the accuser comes in with what? Guilt and condemnation and accusation, and, oh, I haven't been there in a few weeks. I don't know if I want to go anymore. I feel bad for not... Yeah, yeah, you shouldn't go. You shouldn't go. What are they going to think about you? What are you going to say when they ask? Where were you last Sunday? And you know you were really sleeping in. What are you going to say, right? And so the enemy gets in there, the flesh gets in there, and suddenly... You're isolated and disconnected because maybe you flipped it, and the motive to keep a ritual was no longer strong enough, a motive to come to love God and others. How many of you are blessed just by coming? I'm not talking about the sermon. I'm just being here. You're just like, it's worth it. How many say, it's worth it? Well, I mean, honestly, you're here, so there is some value in your... You know, you got dressed... Some of you, A, you got in your car, you spent gas to get here, unless you rode from Tennessee to be here, thank you. So um, there was value. You're here, so to me, there was value. The cost-benefit analysis, right, spreadsheet, right? You're here. I'm hoping that the value is based on relationship. I'm hoping it really is. That's why I'm saying your Sunday experience is not just 10 a.m. to whenever we say, ready, break, Amen. It's before, it's after, it's the donuts, it's the fellowship, it's, it's the whole thing. It's because it's all relationship. It's all relationship. In that, we have structure. In that, we actually have a road map, and you know, we test the mics, and they, they got here, and they were rehearsing at 8.30, 45. In that, we want to do it well, but it's all to facilitate relationship. Amen? If we ever flip that, this place is going to dry up. And then we're just going to be like, you know, very... You know, and we're going to do church right, but there'll be no life. There'll be no, it's okay, it's okay, all right? So we got to keep it, keep the priorities, the main things, the main things. So two things happen. He asks these questions, they go silent, right? So two things happen. In Matthew 12, parallel passage, Jesus actually gives them the answer. He says this, he said to them, which of you has a sheep? If it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. So he lets them off the hook. He tells everyone there, whoever's listening, here's the answer. Right? Remember at school, the teacher would ask a question, and everyone kind of knew nobody answered, because eventually he's going to give it up. Anyone? Right? You just So Jesus gives up the answer to the class, to the synagogue, right? Yes, it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And then something else happens, though. Matt, going back to Mark. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. He asked the questions. They go silent. And Jesus is just looking at all of them. And verse 5 says, he got angry and grieved there's emotion see again sometimes when we read the scriptures if we're not careful we look at Jesus interacting with the Pharisees and we think it's just all very academic and somehow they talked like this and they had these discussions and it was all very pleasant and very you know just nice it was just all very nice right stoic Jesus passive Jesus you know weak Jesus Wimpy Jesus. Oh, yes. Come follow me. You don't want to? Oh, that's okay. You know? We get these weird pictures of Jesus as like emotionless, wimpy, like kind of a punk, right? And, and I love this because he says, he looked around at them with what? Anger. Grieved at their hardness. Jesus is mad. Now, that's interesting because... And I've been doing ministry for 30 years, and I literally have come across situations, and maybe with the best of intentions, because I used to do youth ministry a whole lot, where parents somehow, and, I, and I, I never really understood, I remember a couple instances where they would try to instill in their kids that getting mad was wrong. Just the emotion of anger. Like somehow Christians don't get angry. Thank you, because I know your temper. So, um. but yeah, and it's it's a prison because anger is just simply an emotion. It's a God-given human emotion. But again, you know, again, best of intentions. Maybe I'm always like to give the benefit of the doubt. There have been times when, when you know, a Christian student or someone would get angry and the response would be bad Christian bad Christian why are you getting angry that's bad and imagine what confusion that causes you're human something has happened to to stir up anger and you're being told taught punished disciplined that you're not even supposed to have this emotion right and yet here in Mark 3 It says, Jesus looked around at them with anger. anger. Jesus got angry and grieved. Okay? Now, that word anger is not a temper tantrum. It's not an irrational outburst. Okay? The word picture of that word anger there is like sap rising in a tree. It's like there, and it's rising, and it's rising. Okay? It's part of who you are. Okay? It's... It's, it's, again, not an irrational outburst, and, and it's really coming from a place of this. One person says this, it is a holy, just revulsion against what is contrary to and opposes God's holy nature and will. So this is Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, God. He's dealing with them. He asks them a pointed question. Here's the other thing, too. Remember the back. He, he wants them. He wants their good. He wants them to get it. Okay? So part of this is Jesus setting them up to get the answer. You ever, like, try to lead someone and make it, like, right to the very end where he's like, come on, I've set the table. There's no thinking left. Just say it. Like, anyone ever try to set someone up? Like, you, 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 you hold their hand, you put the training wheels on, you get them right to the point, and it's like, come on, dude. There's nothing else. I don't want to give you the answer. Just give me a little bit that you got it. Give me a little bit that you're getting it, right? That's kind of what Jesus was doing because he has a heart for them. So he's asking them. He sets them up. And all they have to do is say, it's lawful to do good. But why can't they? Pride. Hardened hearts. Focus on self. Self Self-righteousness. All of this comes in that prevents them from simply Admitting what they know is true. It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. It's okay to heal this guy. But the weight of it prevents them. And I wonder what in my life and your life is preventing you from just saying, Here I am, Jesus. What is it? The resistance. What's the resistance point where you just, it's right there on the tip of your tongue. Just come on. Just do that step. Just say it. What is it? Because the Pharisees had their what is it? My question for you, a question for you online is what is it in your life that's just preventing you from going all in for Jesus? Just let it go. Just be free. What is it? Fear of man, fear of what people are going to think about you, old habits. I don't know. But it's helpful to identify. Okay? So he gets angry. I love uh, J.C. Ryle says this. We are told that he looked around about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts. This expression is very remarkable and demands special attention. It is meant to remind us that our Lord Jesus Christ was a man, like ourselves, in all things, sin only accepted. Whatever sinless feelings belong to the constitution of man, our Lord partook of and knew by experience. We read that he marveled, that he rejoiced, that he wept, that he loved. And here we read that he felt anger. It is plain from these words that there is an anger which is lawful, right, and not sinful. There is is an indignation which is justifiable and on some occasions may be properly manifested. Jesus gets it. Right? Fully God, fully man. He knows our emotions. How many of you find that freeing? Oh, because sometimes, again, maybe with the best of intentions, we get caught up as Christians battling the very emotions that God gave you. Some of you are more extroverted. Some of you are more chatty, right? Some of you are more quiet on the introverted. Some of you have varying levels of, of just emotional expression. It's all good. Because I think Aubrey said, uh, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen? Right? So turn to the person next to you or behind you and say, you know what? You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Just turn. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh. Right? (sighs) Kind of like just loosen up your neck a little bit. Holy cow. Man, some of us like go to, you, you get this thing. How many of you get this thing on your neck? And you're like... Can you massage my neck? It's like, you are stressed. <laughs> well, some of us have this, you know, we want to call it Christian stress. <laughs> and, and it's because you're trying to keep all your emotions in check. You want to know what the check is? Walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. If you're walking in the spirit, you'll have freedom in Christ and you can express how God made you. If you cross lines, God will show you, right? Ephesians 4. When we were going through the book of Ephesians, we looked at Ephesians 4, 26, 27. If you're really interested in this topic, I would suggest you go find it on our sermon library. But Ephesians 4, 26 says this, "'Be angry and do not sin. "'Do not let the sun go down on your anger "'and give no opportunity to the devil.'" Anger in and of itself is not sin. What can happen is when you experience the emotion of anger, if you're not careful and you go into the flesh, you can cross a line, you can miss the mark, and then sin in what you choose to do once you're angry. You get that? Anger in and of itself is not sinful. How do we know that Uh, Jesus was angry? It's what you do once you recognize, I'm angry. Are you going to go into the flesh and now react and rage and da-da-da-da-da, or are you going to be in the spirit still and ask God, what do I do with this anger? Right? Regarding righteous anger, I like what John Piper says. He says this, righteous anger is being angry at what makes God angry. And righteous anger is the right word order because, because God is not fundamentally angry. He is fundamentally righteous. Very important. God's anger is a byproduct of his righteousness. Righteous anger is is roused by evil that profanes God's holiness and prefers his goodness. So as believers, it's okay in the sense righteous anger is that which is profaning God's character. Yes, there are a lot of things in this culture that you can be righteously angry about. Because it's an affront to God and his word. There's nothing wrong with that. That should stir you. If you're a child of God, right? And there's things that you're seeing that are like directly coming against God's righteousness, his holiness, his character, the word of God. It's okay to be righteously angry. It really is. Right? It's what you do, you know, when you get there and you kind of lose in control. You know, you have to be careful with it, but we can't just get tied up in knots. And here's the balance, and here's the important thing, because sometimes we're like, well, I'm righteously angry, and now you're just this angry Christian. Now you're just as, ah, blah, blah, and you're like, dude, what's up? I'm righteously angry. Right? Okay, I get that, but let's, let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. Mark 3, 5. He looked around at them with what? Anger. Not period, comma. Anger. Grieved. Everyone say grieved. Grieved at their hardness of heart. So Jesus, he goes whoop. Because he's angry and grieved at their hardness of heart. See, there's some people out there who are like righteously angry But the part that's missing is compassion and grief. Remember Jesus. We looked at this last week. Jesus looked at the multitudes with what? Compassion. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Okay? When you and I look at the lost who don't know Jesus, who are caught up in all kinds of evil and darkness, do you have compassion? Are you grieving for them? Or are you just kind of righteously angry? and hope that they get their act together? Powerful question, especially ramping up into 2024. Right? Jesus experienced anger, and he was grieved at their hardness of heart. So when you're dealing with somebody, and you might be getting angry, ask yourself, are you also grieved at their hardness of heart? Are you, are you in distress? Are, does it, like, tug at your own heart where they are with God and why they're so hardened towards God and the things of God? Does that, like, grieve you, or are you just, like, angry and ready to write them off? Right? I'll tell you, one of the challenges in 30 years of ministry is counseling. And you counsel and you counsel and you counsel and you work with people. And there are times, you know, when, when I get upset, get angry times, But one of the hardest parts of what I've been called to do for 30 years is the grief when people choose to walk away. I've told them all the verses. They know everything they need to know. But when they choose to walk a road focused on self and in the old and all that, to be honest with you, it's grievous. It's grievous. It is one of the most grievous painful parts of shepherding the church because that door is locked from the inside I can't legislate a changed heart around here we don't guilt you into a changed heart we speak the truth in love we'll meet you umpteen times (laughs) at a certain point though I've had to tell people bro I'm talked out I've shared everything now I'm just repeating myself I need you to be able to do something here I need an indication that you're willing to take a step and when they don't, I'll be honest with you, it grieves. It grieves. And I have to choose to allow myself to grieve. Because if I don't, then I just become an angry pastor. That happens too. There are churches where the pastor maybe is righteously angry about things, but because we're human and we want to protect our own heart from grief and sorrow and sadness, we harden even in ministry. And then it's like, dude, what's up with Richie? He just goes up there and he's just angry all the time. And he just starts yelling at us. And we leave here Sundays like we were in like boot camp from the drill sergeant, right? I don't even want a donut anymore. I just lost my appetite. I used to like to hang out after now. He just comes around and everyone the room clears, right? Why is that? Because if I'm not careful, And I don't allow myself to grieve, then I just stay in anger. Both of them are a choice with what to do with that. Okay, so I want to encourage you, maybe at home, maybe in a relationship you're in, you're experiencing some anger, but maybe you got to bring the grief and compassion into it. Because everyone has a story. How many of you had anyone at any time in your life try to come alongside you and share the love of Jesus, and the truth with you. And you didn't really want to hear it at that point. Anyone? Well, at that point, they might have been angry and grieved over you. So just extend that same grace to them, okay? And, and Jesus, I love this because you remember in Luke 19.41 talked about Jerusalem. As he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city, he began to weep. Matthew 23. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones who are sent to it. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. And you were not willing. Jesus is grieving over Jerusalem. He's grieving that their hearts are not willing. Right? And so as we move forward, and you move forward in your life, as we move forward in church, as this country moves forward into whatever 2024 holds, We can be righteously angry, but we can never lose compassion. And we can't lose the fact that there's times we're going to grieve. Because we know, what's grievous is we know if this person continues down this path, we kind of know where they're going to end up. We've seen it before, right? And we're doing our best to save them and help them not have to experience it and go down our road and feel everything we felt. And we want to just protect them, protect them. That's what makes it so grievous, Because we want the best for this person and they're still choosing that path. Allow yourself to grieve. And that might mean you just start praying for them more. And you might shed tears for them. Because if you don't, you're going to bottle that and now it's going to turn into anger and resentment and bitterness towards them. Just remember how gracious and patient God has been with us before we start laying the law down too much on other people. We can speak the truth in love. We can be very clear and very firm when it comes to God's truth. But please keep your heart tender and soft towards those that are just in a journey. They're just in their journey, okay? When it says their hardness of heart, that word is in that culture, what they would have known is that's like, that's like a piece of marble. Their heart had become like marble. And it was a process. The process really was like calluses. Getting callus. How many, like, construction, how many of you ever got calluses? Pickleball. do you get pickleball? Calluses, pickleball from the handle, right? Golf, golf calluses, right? Guitar calluses, right? So what happens? You get a callus, which you want, but what does it do? What The callus is designed to, what, impact the sensitivity, right? So what has happened is their hearts have become like marble because over time it's now calloused. It has become insensitive to human needs. That's what has happened here. And if we're not careful as believers, we can sit back and look at social media and look at the news, and we can get calloused hearts. And now we're insensitive to the sheep without a shepherd. We're insensitive to the lost who are spiritually dead, spiritually blind. And if they were to die, would go to hell for eternity. Like, when was the last time we grieved Somebody being eternally separated from God, and if it's been a while, you might want to check yourself as far as the callous. Like, Lord, how do I get that? How did I get so calloused about that? Why? Why is that like such? Now it's just transactional. Oh well, yeah, they, they, you know, we just kind of write them off as some weird transaction. Then that, that should like grieve. That's like devastating. Eternal separation from God, according to the Bible. In a place called hell. That, I pray, we never get callous. I pray we never get spiritual callouses to the point where it just doesn't matter anymore. Well, we tried. Oh, well. No, you should still grieve. You should still grieve. Eternal separation. That should also spur us on to love this community because God can use us, right, to make a difference. And then, you know, Ephesians 4.30, again, covered this when we went through Ephesians. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So Jesus is grieved at the religious leaders. He's angry and he's grieved at their hardness of heart. Ephesians 4.30, he's talking to believers now. This is a message to Christians. And here's what he says again. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. He's talking about us as believers in our walk, and our choices, to sin or not to sin, to honor God, not to honor God. When was the last time you really had a desire not to grieve God by your choice? Not to anger God, but to grieve God. Two different things. Because again, drawing from my experience growing up at home, you know, I, I went to church, but I wasn't a believer, and a um, bit of a rebel, a bit of a okay, a lot of a rebel, and I knew when I make choices and I would get caught, all I would have to do is weather the anger. Anyone? Wait, you know, Dad's coming home. You just at home waiting for Dad to roll in. You know it's gonna come. You know, I'm, Mom's gonna tell him exactly what I did, and we have to have the discussion. And how many of you, like me, knew I just got to weather the anger, right? Okay, if we're not careful, we kind of do that with God. We can kind of get in this habit where we're making sinful choices, pleasing the flesh, and we know it's not thrilling God, but we're okay with that because growing up, we just knew we had to weather the anger for a little bit. And then what? It would blow over, right? It's really interesting, this word grieving, because it changes. And I'm praying for some of you here and at home that you'll go from not wanting to anger God to not wanting to grieve God, okay? Because the Holy Spirit, you know, in that verse, it's not an impersonal force. The Holy Spirit's a person. You can't grieve an impersonal force. You grieve a person, right? Stephen Cole says this, This verse distinguishes Christian ethics from every other ethical system. Other religions have ethical standards, but none of them command their followers not to sin because their sin grieves God. And Paul is not appealing to his readers to adhere to a certain moral standard simply because it is the right thing to do. Rather, he appeals to them on the basis of their personal relationship with a loving God. Sin grieves the Holy Spirit. Through faith in Christ, you enter into a personal relationship with the triune God. His spirit now dwells within you. Your body is his temple. On the basis of these facts, Paul exhorts you to glorify God in your body. Sin strains the personal relationship that you are now to enjoy with the loving, indwelling spirit of God. It's personal. Everyone say personal. It's personal. It's personal. Right? Right? And it's out of love. And and I'll never forget this, this transition that really impacted me, understanding this is relationship with, with my parents as kind of a rebellious, do whatever I wanted kid. And I had made a choice, I think I was 15, and I had done something. I made a choice, and it was gonna potentially have some major implications on my life and the entire family. It was a doozy of doozies. And it came to the point where I knew I had to come clean because after a while there would be no way to hide this. And so, you know, my first go-to was mom. Go to mom first. So he set it up, I Say, said, mom, I've got to talk to you. And I'll never forget, this is in our living room in San Diego. And we sit down, and my heart's beat, and I'm like, I just got to tell you what's going on. And I share with, with her everything that's going on and what, I think is about to happen. And I was waiting for the anger to come. The you know better, how could you, that, that anger road, right? What I was not prepared for and what still chokes me up 40 years later, she just started to cry. And I had never seen my mom cry, let alone been responsible that depth of grief that she was now experiencing. Out of love for me. Like, she loved me so much, understood the implications of what might might happen. And in the midst of her reeling and her grief came this love, like trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do about this? And I was profoundly... Just floored by the grief that I caused her, not the anger. And I was like, I never want to grieve someone like that again. I got the anger part and I tick people off and da 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 da, but to to sit there and see someone grieving because of my choice was horrific really profoundly impacted me and, you know, my relationship with my mom. Because, you know, how many of us, something like that changes, suddenly your parents become human, anyone? Right, because until then they're just the authority figure and they just da-da-da-da-da and they don't feel anything, they're just, they don't care, they don't know, right? They don't know what it's like to be a teenager. <laughs> they're worse than you, what are you talking about? And then this one episode changed my view from mom, just mom, to just mom's just a lady doing her best with emotions and overwhelmed grief right now. And I think sometimes with God, we see God as the angry God, the stoic God, the emotionless God. And when we mess up, we see him as like ready to um, give us the punishment and the discipline. But I don't know how many of us this morning have actually considered that we grieve God that when you and I make choices that are against his word, that he's actually grieved. Grieved. Because he loves us. It's his love for us. The word grief in the the New Testament there, it comes out of a love relationship. This this level of grief comes out of a deep, loving relationship. That's why God is grieved, because he loves you that much. If he didn't love you that much, he wouldn't be grieved. Right? And so... I just want to encourage us this morning in your walk with the Lord. Maybe your heart has become calloused in an area, maybe hardened. Maybe you've not ever asked yourself, or even recently, Lord, is something I'm doing grieving you? Are you grieved right now, God? My language, my attitude, my, my relationships that are not reconciled, my disobedience. Is there something that is, that honestly, the thing you do, just ask God, God, am I grieving you? I don't want to grieve you. I mean, it's like literally, I just don't want to. I don't want to. Who would want to do that, right? Because we're in a love relationship with Jesus. Jesus says in John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. We love Jesus, so we want to obey him. It's a love thing. It's a love relationship, right? If you've ever been in a love relationship, how many of you want to please your significant other? You want to. Out of what? Love. And when you hurt them or disappoint them, it grieves you and it grieves them, right? Because why? It's love. It's love. Love. And it's amazing. These Pharisees have been chasing Jesus all around Mark 2, even into Mark 3, and at the very end, Jesus still loves them because he grieves for them. And that's a hard check for us as a church as we, again, enter into this culture. Don't let your heart stop grieving for the lost. Don't let the spiritual calluses build up to where you're insensitive to people who would love this. Love this. How many of you have come to not just this church, but other churches where God has just blessed you? Just blessed you. Like, yes. And you didn't even know it existed, right? You didn't even know this was like even a possibility. This was not even an option. (laughs) Well, you know what? There's a whole lot of people still in this valley that this would bless their socks off. Sometimes we just get insensitive to that because we've been around it so much and it's just normative for us now. This would be like Disneyland for some people. Like, dude, that was awesome. Like, I went there, people remember my name, right? They give me free donuts, coffee, right? It was awesome. Um, you, know, you know Cindy Swallows, Cindy Swallows' family that moved to Tennessee, right? He was so cute. What's the little boy's name? Um, Caleb, right? You know Caleb, little kid growing up around here. They went to visit a church in Tennessee, and I just shared this with you just because it popped in my head. But um, after church, big church, Caleb's walking around, and, you know, they're like, what are you doing? He goes, where's the donuts? <laughs> Mega church, probably like five times bigger than this church. He's like, where's the donuts? They don't have donuts. <sniffs> <laughs> donuts impacted little Caleb. To the point that he expected it in Tennessee. Doesn't every church have free donuts? No. I love that, right? I love that. In his mind, he equates positive donut eating with church. That's awesome. Church is a good thing, right? When he looks back in his memory bank, do, do, do. I like going to church. Why? Oh, dude, donuts. Lemonade. Coffee, right? Some of you. I know you race out of here because you got to get that sprinkle. You, Some of you are... I know, Skippy's got a leg. No one better take my cut, right? This is a good thing, right? And I'm just hoping today that through Jesus' example, he got angry, but he also was grieved, right? That's a good check for us. Righteous anger is okay. Be angry, do not sin. Don't ever let your heart become so hardened, so calloused, In your relationship with God, that you grieve him, or in your view and relationship with others, that you kind of write them off, and you just suddenly become too busy, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for Jesus' example. Father, in Hebrews 3, it says, But Christ as the Son is in charge of God's entire house, and we are God's house. If we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ, that is why the Holy Spirit says, Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. As Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. And so, Father, that's my prayer. Today. As you are speaking through your Holy Spirit, that we would not harden our hearts, but that we would humble our hearts. We would soften our hearts. We would allow you to speak truth to our hearts, transform our hearts. Father, as believers, if we have become calloused to the lost, if we no longer grieve that those who die without Jesus are eternally separated from you. If we have become more consumed with ritual than human need and lost our compassion, Father, forgive us today for our own heart and hearts towards the lost. And Father, right now, through your Holy Spirit, reveal areas in our life if we have become hardened and calloused towards you. We have been choosing actions and behaviors that have been grieving you, but we have been blind to it because of the condition of our hearts. Father, if there's any air in our life right now that is grieving you, please speak it and reveal it so we can confess it and make it right. We just want to be right. And then, Father, if there's someone here who does not know Jesus, I pray that your heart would receive Jesus today. Perhaps you've heard this before and you've been extended an invitation to trust Jesus and over time maybe calluses have been building up. I pray today your heart would be softened and you would respond to the call of the Holy Spirit to put your faith in Jesus. Receive Jesus today as your Savior and Lord. Put your faith in him. You may not understand it all. Trust Jesus. Purpose to follow Jesus. Put your faith in him alone for salvation today. Open your heart. We are going to uh, give you a time of prayer. We're going to open up the communion table. If you're visiting... We give an opportunity here for communion each Sunday. There's cups up here, and you can come down to Center aisle and get a cup and go back to your seats and take communion on your own. We don't really do a group-led communion. We allow you to have a time of prayer and reflection with the Lord yourself. But this is your time. This is your time. Jesus says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So perhaps today, remember Jesus' grace and compassion for you so that you can extend that to others. Maybe before you come to the communion table, you have a time of confession and ask God to forgive you for the areas that are hardened in your heart. Whatever it is, we'll give you this time now to come up, take communion, and uh, just really remember
0: Jesus in your own time. Um, So I have a few announcements. The first one is we had our um, family gathering last week, and it, and it was just absolutely wonderful. I want to thank everybody who participated. We had water games, slip and slides, and so it was just a great time to spend with the family. And it, the best part about the whole thing is that Raymond got baptized, and it was just a beautiful day to start off with that. You know, because that's what we're about. We're about here. We're a family, family of believers. And so it was just a great day. So I want to thank everybody who showed up for that. Um, also, Let me see, what other, um, oh yeah, I was going to do youth announcements, but Chris is doing that, so that's why I'm not going to do youth, so Chris, start walking up. Um, And also giving, Um, if you're here for the first time, or you want to know how we give, first of all, scripture tells us to give cheerfully, so when you do, just pray about it, see what God puts on your heart, and then give it cheerfully, and the ways to do that, you can do it online. There's boxes. Or you can ask Jordan. He's our um, guru in the computers. There's different ways to set up for automatic giving and stuff. So, Chris? Oh, the kids. Okay. I forgot. Sorry, Kingdom Kids. I got thrown off because usually we have, like, a whole boatload of kids. in for school, and as parents, you could probably testify, they go to school and they get all these colds. So we only have a handful of kids. So if you are Kingdom Kid age, this is your time. So kids, what time is it? Kingdom Kids! Okay. Here you go, Chris.
1: Good morning, everybody. Uh, You know, sometimes it's funny because sometimes you pray to God and ask him to uh, bring you outside of your comfort zone. And then immediately after, Jordan texts you and asks you, Hey, do you want to do a youth announcement this Sunday for the first time? So, here I am. <laughs> uh, if you don't know me, my name is Chris. Uh, I'm one of the volunteers here. I help out in the bridge. Uh, so, And I am also on the uh, youth team. And uh, just last week, we had our first uh, uh, youth uh, uh, youth group of the year. And it went awesome. We played some awesome games. And we had one of those jars that we uh, filled full of candy, and they had to guess how many pieces of candy were in that jar. And the winner was Josie. So, good job, Josie. She was like seven off, maybe seven off. There, were, there are quite a lot, and she got close. She got close. Anyways, uh, God willing, I think we're gonna have a great year this year. And uh, pray for the, pray for us, youth leaders, because there's a shortage of us. Which. Um, This wasn't part of the announcement, but if you want to help volunteer, talk to Jordan, because we could use some volunteers. So, thank you, everybody.
2: Good morning. 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 I'm Aubrey, and um, I just want to start with a verse, if I can read it, without dropping everything. (laughs) I'm going to stand here. (laughs) For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And that's from Psalm 139, verse 13. Um, I'm he- up here to announce this morning the Walk of Compassion that's happening at Life Choices Pregnancy Clinic uh, next Saturday, September 30th. Is that next Saturday? It's the following Saturday. Okay. <laughs> Two weeks from, from yesterday. Um, Registration is at 8.30, the walk is at 9 a.m., and then they have a really fun raffle afterward and awards, Um, but really the point is that we're there to support the value of every life that God has knit together, um, just as he has knit our lives together. And um, some of the things that they do that I just want you to be aware of, um, this is their newsletter. If you don't get it, you can sign up for it. I'm going to put this out on the welcome cart so everyone has an opportunity to see it. Um, one of the things they were talking about, they've had several calls during the week asking um, if what they've heard about Life Choices is true. Do they give 3D and 4D ultrasounds for free? Will they uh, help their family with diapers for free? Um, They have a whole room full of clothing for babies and up to 2T, 3T, um, and it's free for everyone. So they don't turn anyone away. They have actually a mobile ultrasound that they will take to a park. If somebody just needs to have an ultrasound and can't make it all the way to Ojai, they have gone to parks in Oxnard. Um, They want to make themselves available to let women know that Every life has a value. So um, that is just some of what they do. They're really making an impact for families here and even in other cities around us in the county. So um, if you can and you would like and God puts it on your heart, please come out and support the walk. Uh, Again, the registration is 8.30. The walk is at 9, and that's September 30th. And my next announcement is... Uh, about Mexico. Um, You guys showed up in numbers for the Root Beer Float fundraiser that we had, which we really appreciated. Uh, We raised $826 from the Root Beer Float table alone. That's a lot of Root Beer Floats Um, and a lot of generosity. So thank you so much. And in total, we've raised about $14,000 so far of the $29,000 Um, That we're looking to raise for the two houses that are being built. We still have room on the trip. The trip, um, we're leaving October 29th. It's for a week to build two houses for two families in Mexico. These are real families with real children um, who have real need. And we still have openings. If anyone would like to come and help and sign up and join us, Um, it's an amazing trip and really transformative just for your own heart and life. And the last thing is we are still going to have a taco bar fundraiser uh, October 8th. So please sign up for that if you want to attend. That um, You can sign up out on the cart, and that will be Sunday, October 8th. Thank you.